Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello again, everybody. It's Drags, episode number 250 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Catch us at www.clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter at PatriotsCLNS. And you can also follow us uh, on Twitter at CLNS Media. Follow me on Twitter, of course, at Drags, T-R-A-G-S. Episode 250, that's a huge milestone. And who better to spend it with and share it with than the one and only former colleague Ryan Hannibal who I gave so much grief uh, when I worked with him and Chris Price at WEEI. Welcome back Ryan thanks for joining me. It's an honor tracks I, I do miss those times we spent together we had a, a, lot, a lot of fun together and it is a little it's sad not to be with you guys it is. It is. Uh, I would agree, and uh, I'm sure if we were still together, we would all be arguing over who gets to write. Tom Brady not being at OTAs is uh, a big, big deal because he's not working with the wide receivers. Uh, instead, WEEI.com gets uh, the privilege of having you write that story, which I know you're working on this week. Um, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, reported on uh, Monday that uh, both of those gentlemen uh, would resume um, their absence, if you will, from OTAs uh, this week after attending mandatory minicamp last week. Your take on the significance of Tom Brady not working with his new wide receivers. I think it's a big deal. Yeah, I do too. And I think, you know, say three, four, five years ago, if this happened, I wouldn't be surprised if Brady sort of threw his own little extra passing session with new receivers just because he knows how important it is to be on the same page. And there's a lot of new guys, not necessarily guys that came in this offseason, but guys like Kenny Britt, Philip Dorsett, guys that haven't had a full season with them. So any time that they get with them in the offseason is vital, and they haven't gone that this year. So, you know, with Edelman out the first four weeks, they're going to need guys that are new to the system to step up, and they need this experience with Brady, and they're not getting it right now. I mean, they got three days last week, which, you know, things looked okay, but – you know, that that's a passing camp. Like, let's see when the pads come on and they start running real plays against real defenses and say, you know, Cordell Patterson's not on the same page as Brady on one play down the field and leads to an interception. Like, that, that could turn into a real thing the regular season. And I just think that, you know, Brady missing this week, you know, and, and this extra time to work with these new receivers is a big deal and could actually show up in the first four weeks. 
Well, and, and Jeff Howe of The Athletic brought this up last week, uh, and other people have noticed as well, uh, that Brian Hoyer running the offense is not Tom Brady running the offense. God love Brian Hoyer, and he's a very serviceable, ba- serviceable backup. Uh, he was uh, successful with the Houston Texans and Billy O'Brien, of course. Um, but Brian Hoyer running this offense is not Tom Brady. And, you know, from some of the reports, and you've been down there, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Ryan, but yep. uh, Cordell Patterson running routes needs a little bit of work. I would agree with that. He's not. He's he's great when he gets the ball in his hands as a kick returner, but he's got some trouble running routes, and his hands, you know, aren't you know Julian Edelman hands. That's for sure. So anytime that a guy like him gets work with Brady, it's a good bonus. And I will say this too: you brought up the Brian Hoyer point. They're different quarterbacks. I mean, the way that Brian Hoyer throws the ball compared to Tom Brady is a huge difference. I mean, Tom Brady has a ton of zip behind that ball. Whereas Brian Hoyer, it's, it's not as fast. It's, I mean, it's not like a lollipop, but it takes some time to get there. And I noticed that a little bit last week, just the difference between Brian Hoyer throwing the ball and Tom Brady. So for some of these new receivers, it's a big difference going from Brian Hoyer to Tom Brady. And they're going to get a lot more Brian Hoyer this spring than Tom Brady. So maybe there's even a bigger adjustment come training camp when it is all Tom Brady. So all this leads to it's, it's a big deal that Brady's missing this week, especially you know, with the dues of Edelman's suspension. I just thought that, you know, it, it, it's only four days. It's only a couple hours each day. It's not like they're asking him to go out to, you know, California for the week and being away from his family. It's just a couple hours a day. Any chance to get on the same page as the receivers that Tom Brady of old used to take. And so it, it just leads me to believe that, that things are just a little bit different down there. Well, and, and we'll get to the, the, the Edelman uh, suspension in just a bit, of course, but what can Tom Brady do? I know you're writing about it. What would you suggest uh, or what do you think the game plan is going to be for Tom Brady to make up for lost time with these guys? It's a good question. I mean, I think we've heard the reports of him bringing, you know, Rob Gronkowski, Julian Edelman, maybe even Chris Hogan to Montana for his usual workouts that he's done in the past. But, you know, he knows how those guys work. So what good does that do for Jordan Matthews, you know, Kenny Britt? Sonny Michelle, all these new guys, it doesn't really do much. So to me, I thought, you know, this week would have been a perfect time to, you know, go against what's happened this offseason and realize that, you know, it, it is important to get this time. It is a it is a thing that Julian Edelman could miss these games. So to take, you know, four extra days and spend some time with these new receivers, get on the same page, run crossing routes, run out routes, run comeback routes, get on the same page, know where at where, you know, Tell the receivers where, where they're supposed to be, where you like to throw the ball, and just get as many reps as you can. And that's what we've seen in the past. Brady staying at, late after practice, getting into extra time with his receivers. And he did that last week, but, you know, there's only so much that can happen in a three-day period. So, you know, I thought, thought four days this week could make a little bit of a difference. Okay, Julian Edelman uh, getting popped four games for uh, PED use, um, and we – I guess the reports are that it, uh, the t- positive test came out uh, actually uh, several weeks ago, if not multiple months uh, ago. First of all, I think the leak of this information certainly raises some eyebrows in terms of who was behind the leak and what this could mean for the future of uh, Alex Guerrero working with the Patriots. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the, the number one sort of storyline that came with the suspension really wasn't Edelman actually getting suspended. It was the connection to Alex Guerrero. And obviously, he got ahead of it with, with a statement, you know, hours after, you know, the report came down. And, and you know, if I'm being honest, I, I, don't, I know Alex Guerrero has had a shady past, but I really don't believe 
that he had anything to do with this. I, I think it was Edelman off on, on his own working with somebody else. Tommy Curran, who know, who's you know on top of this case better than anyone, reported that Edelman hasn't really been full in on TV12. You know, he just goes there, I think, a la carte, as Curran put it. So, you know, obviously the national people and, and everyone around the country is probably going to point to, you know, Guerrero being involved. I just I just don't see it. I don't think Guerrero and, and Tom Brady, for that matter, have anything to, you know, gain with this. Like, they're not going to – their life depends on this post-Brady football career. So I don't think they're going to do anything that would put a brand in jeopardy. So my, my big take on the Guerrero side is I don't think he had anything to do with it. I agree because – if anybody is going to be on their best behavior, given their past, given the scrutiny uh, that he already knows he's under, it's Alex Guerrero. He's not about to sign off on anything that could come across uh, as positive in a test or come across as untoward uh, in terms of trying to skirt the PED rules of the NFL. There's no way. He's an intelligent guy. You say what you will about some of his practices in the past that um, have certainly come under criticism. It's well documented. Uh, Everybody knows about it. Uh, But if there's one guy that's going to stay on the straight and narrow, you would think during this whole process, it'd be Alex Guerrero. Yeah, and, and not only does it affect him, but it affects Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady said that his life after football is the TB12 method, and just you know, imagine if if Guerrero did it, something had something to do with Edelman's suspension. That TB12 brand is pretty much that takes a huge hit. That that oh, you know, I think it's gone. Brady, yeah, if they, if it's, I would agree that that Brady's post football career is probably over. You know, with the TB12 method, he can't do what he planned to do. So. There's just way too much risk involved, and like you said before, Alex Rose, you know, having you know, sort of a, a huge strike one against him, he's not going to do anything else to, you know, to, to you know, potentially have a strike too. So, like you said, if anyone's going to be on their best behavior, it's Alex Guerrero, and so that's why, to me, I, I just don't see it, the, the two being connected. What about the leak? Do you think uh, that the leak is a significant aspect of the story? I think it's a part of it for sure. I, I think that the timing was a little bit strange. Uh, I heard Mike Florio on our station and, and on Twitter, you know, floating out the conspiracy theory that the, the Patriots leaked it as a way to sort of, you know, nudge Brady to get to, to OTAs this week. Obviously, it didn't work, but, you know, there's only a certain number of people that, that know, you know, the, about the positive test. And I would assume, you know, the, the Patriots organization has, you know, more than, the league i guess so and you have to also you know look at where the report came from two guys that are pretty close with the patriots and also the timing it happened just after the media availability wrapped up last thursday so to me to me just you know connecting the dots and you know walking out of gillette stadium as soon as the the news broke it sort of just seemed like a coincidence to me that it happened that it broke you know 15 minutes after tom brady had just spoken so maybe it was a, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod, hey, you can have this, but just wait till we wrap up our stuff. So there's just too much, you know, too much c- connecting of, of the Patriots to sort of to not totally dismiss that it was an, an inside leak. Well, the, the other issue here, and I think the most significant issue, and I know several people have brought this up, there isn't supposed to be the release of a positive test until after the appeal by the player. And Edelman had not put his appeal in yet and found out through the Patriots that he had tested positive. Well, something's wrong here in the whole testing process where the team finds out that he actually tested positive, but the player 
but the NFL is not supposed to release those positive tests until after the appeal. You follow where I'm going here, right? Yeah, I do. I do. And that's I think the, there is there is a, there is something to that. I I think that's another another layer to it. Well, I think it's a huge layer to it. And if I'm the NFLPA, I'm pissed. I'm like, why does the team know? And why does the team hold the card over our player who is essentially abdicating his appeal rights? Yes, he gets to appeal, but once it, it's like when you're charged with, I'm going to use the extreme here, but when you're charged with murder, and even if you're off and, and found not guilty, People are going to associate you with the charge, not not the final result of the jury, right? Right. You know, exactly. Exactly. And it just sort of speaks to the whole way that the NFL sort of approaches this. I mean, I just I think I was I forget who I was talking with, but you know, Major League Baseball they you know disclosed what drug you tested for in the press release, and they put it right out there. Whereas sure. the NFL, you don't you don't even know what these players test for unless they say it themselves. So it that just speaks to the whole system really being you know pretty flawed, I guess you could say. Well, I mean, and Albert Breer had the uh, the news, uh, I yeah. believe it was on Monday that the NFL doesn't even know the testing the people who do the testing for the NFL drug policy uh, and the PED testing don't even know specifically what this was. It was undetermined. Well, if it's undetermined and you need more test results, fine. But don't make it available to the team that, hey, your, your player came up positive and we think it's a positive, but we don't know what the substance is. This, the whole system needs to be completely reworked. And some of this, Ryan, right, has to fall on the NFLPA for agreeing to this in the first place. I would agree. I think that's probably, you know, up at the top of their list of things that they would like to get changed is just this whole policy. I think that we've seen, you know, there's been, you know, a lot of suspensions with PED use in the last couple of years. And I think that, you know, this case, like Edelman's case, sort of raises the question, you know, why why are we having the same policy? Why why are we doing this? This needs to be changed. And I think you make a good point. It's on the NFLPA to get it changed. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's at the top of their list for the next CBA to get changed. Speaking with the outstanding Patriots beat reporter and columnist for WEEI and WEEI.com, Ryan Hannibal. Guys, I want to tell you about a new wellness brand for men. It's called 4Hims, 4Hims.com. Here's a problem. 66% of men lose their hair by the age of 35. Thing is, when you start to notice hair loss, it's just too late. It's easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair you've lost. There's a solution now I'm going to tell you about. It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. 4hims.com. Thanks to science, baldness can now be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. There's well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. No snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. We all know about those. Prescription solutions are backed by science. No waiting room, no awkward doctor visits, save hours, going to 4 Order now. My listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details. Guys, this would cost you hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. It's a great deal. Go to 4 slash trags. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash trags speaking again with ryan hannibal of weei and weei.com all right we got to move on to gronk traded not being traded on the trading block not on the trading block 
What was your read and your take of the lunacy of last Friday, Ryan? I thought it just was sort of lunacy. I mean, this the to me, my gut from the beginning of when the news sort of came, you know, floating around the internet was just the timing. It just made no sense to me. I and mean, they just wrapped up three day mandatory minicamp. Gronkowski looked great on the field. I just didn't see, you know, why would you make a huge move like that at the end, at the middle of June? You look at, you know, if you're going to trade Gronkowski, you're probably going to get draft picks for him. So why don't you do this before the draft? We can, when you can get draft picks for that draft, you know, if you're, you're going to get draft picks for him, you're going to trade him for, you know, the 2019 draft. And what good does that do right now when your window is so, so limited with, with Brady's age? And then also you look to the guys behind Rob Gronkowski at the tight end spot. You have Dwayne Allen, who really struggled to even stay on the field for the, for the whole, you know, three days of mandatory minicamp, limping around the whole time. Jacob Hollister, Will Ty, Troy Nicholas. You just have so many unproven names behind Rob Gronkowski. So how could you let a guy like him go and, and, you know, basically not get anything in return for this coming season? So the timing just made no sense where it was coming from. You know, sure, there are some guys like, you know, Jerry Thornton and, and Dave Porter who sometimes ha- have some stuff with the Patriots, but for, you know, by and large, they're usually just throwing, you know, stuff against the wall. So, it, you know, you looked at all the stuff that it was coming from, and, and sure, there was some smoke there, but when you took a step back and looked at the situation as a whole, it just didn't seem to make sense at all. Here's my read on this. I think they, uh, like Tommy Curran reported and other people have suggested, it's not the story that was off, it was the timing. And I do think Rob Gronkowski's, oh, yes, yes. yeah, and I do think Rob Gronkowski was on the trading block. I do think his name uh, was on the table in terms of uh, players that the Patriots would consider moving for the right price in return. Um, that didn't happen. I do think that Tom Brady was told about it and said, if that happens, I'm out. Um, I, do, I don't think that's far-fetched. The whole closed-door meeting, I, I don't know if I'm buying that. That seems a little melodramatic. But to your initial point, Ryan, it's about the timing. And to me, this reeks of, again, somebody inside the organization trying to needle the player. You, you saw... You know, uh, the Edelman needle, perhaps directly or indirectly at Edelman and Brady, <laughs> this could be a needle at Gronk that, hey, you you, you want to act like a clown and do the things that you're doing off the field and make us and, and, you know, demand for more money and make us look silly. Well, here's a little needle to you. And that's what this reeks of to me. And I'm not saying I know anything for sure, but... When, when you're putting the pieces all together, that's what it looks like to me. I, to further on your point on the timing, do you remember that sort of random Adam Schefter report from April about you know Brady not being fully committed to the team for 2018? Yep. Like that came out of no that came out of nowhere and didn't really seem to say anything yes. at the time. Yep. But, but now taking a step back and looking you know at all the stuff that's happened since and sort of putting the pieces together. Maybe that was from Brady to Schefter saying, you know, hey, I could potentially not play. Like, if you trade Gronk, I could potentially not play. And so, to me, you know, knowing what we know now, that Schefter report from April makes a heck of a lot more sense now than it did then because maybe that was actually Brady's signal to the team saying, if you trade Gronk, I'm out. Like, I can retire. 
And uh, you know what, Ryan? Uh, it's the first time I've heard of that. Uh, and I think there's definitely some legitimacy to that. There's really no way to confirm that because Adam Schefter is obviously not going to give up his source. Uh, and we just, you have to put the pieces together. Maybe, you know, when Brady does eventually retire when he's 68 years old, um, <laughs> that story will come out that, yeah, that that's exactly what went down is that right before the draft, uh, the Patriots said that, uh, we're seriously consider considering moving on from Gronk. We have these deals on the table with the Titans and the 49ers, which has been reported. Uh, and we're thinking about pulling the trigger. And Brady said, you do that, I'm out. And, and, and the reason the Patriots wouldn't do that is, you know, if Brady is legitimately out, this team may or may not make the playoffs. Granted, the AFC East is still bad. It's so bad, right? I cannot remember. I'm going to go off on a tangent here. I cannot remember a division in pro sports as lopsided as the AFC East has been for the last almost 18 years now. Not well, since the Jets won, right? Or the Dolphins won in 2008 and uh, the Jets won in 2002. I cannot remember such a lopsided division in pro sports. No, it's true. I mean, every year, it seems like for the last 10 years, you know, at the offseason talk is what team can challenge the Patriots the next season. And even in the offseason, it's not like any teams have really made no. huge moves in a, in a single offseason that, that has sort of, you know, sent the signal to the Patriots. It's just, just been the same old sign, a couple average players, make a couple high draft picks that really don't pan out. And it's the same thing over and over again. The Patriots just, just roll over the division. Sure, they lose, you know, one or two games in the division just because the teams are so familiar with each other, and that just happens. But, you know, there's no competition. When's the last time that the, the divisions actually, you know, mattered, you know, come late December? Really, never. I'll, I'll tell you, a team that I think could make a big jump are the Jets. I really do think that if, if there's a team that's out there that made some moves and have some weapons that have always given the Patriots trouble, and and I think if you believe um, in their whole in their whole coaching staff and their organization, um, and if you think Todd Bowles can get this team on the right path like they appeared to be three years ago. I don't know. I Maybe the Jets are the biggest competitor in the division. I like the Bills and Sean McDermott. I think he did a great job up there, you know, turning the culture around. I think that maybe he needs a couple of years to sort of fully, you know, get in there and have his whole hands on the organization. But I was pretty impressed with him, you know, last year with, with how he did there. And I think I think you make a good point, too, with Todd Bowles. I think he, he's a good coach for the Jets. He, he's a serious guy. He's not going to goof around like some of the other guys that they've had. And, and he, he's, again, and, and, you know, putting his culture in there, too. So to the, the larger point, the division has – these teams have been so bad in the past that it's taking years and years for these new coaches to come in and change it around. And I think that just speaks to your, your point before of just how bad it's been for so long. Well, I mean, with the Bills, they got rid of their left tackle, right? Cordy Glenn traded to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think with the Jets, um, you have a up-and-coming quarterback in Sam Darnold, um, and you still have a, a terrific defensive front. Um, you know, led by Leonard Williams and, you know, uh, obviously guys like uh, Brandon Copeland and uh, Steve McClendon. I mean, you've got some pieces on the defense that I think are going to be very good uh, in, in their corners. Uh, I think they've got a terrific young secondary. That That's the team to me that's going to probably give the Patriots the most problems this year. 
I, you can make a good, good point with that. I think that those that the Jets always seem to give the Patriots trouble, especially down there in New York. And I think I think even last year Brady had one of his worst games of the regular season there. So they always seem to give the Patriots trouble. And you know, any time, any you know, say the Patriots have a tough start at two and two, that just you know opens the door for the for the other teams in the AFC to sort of you know have that opening that they just haven't had you know, in recent years. And, and it'll be interesting to see if the Patriots do have, you know, maybe not only the first four weeks, but say the first eight weeks, say that they're, you know, you know, let's just say five and three and, and the, the door is open for the other teams. Do they pounce on it just because they haven't had the chance to pounce on the division in years past? Well, that happened actually this year in uh, New York when uh, I believe the Patriots and Jets That's were true. both. true, yeah. It was a battle for first place, right? It was. And, we all know what happened with that uh, controversial call um, yes. at the end of the game, and it went the Patriots' way. So, um, you know, and the Patriots took off from there. Uh, hey, the weather's turning really good, um, and I know you are a um, scratch golfer, Ryan. Uh, what are you doing in terms of golfing this year? I wouldn't say scratch. I'm, a, I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm trying to build you up here, Ryan. I'm working too much. I wasn't working. I could get down, maybe get down to a single digit. But lots of golf, you know, can only play so much once training camp rolls around in late July. So you got to get as much time as you can now until, you know, late July. Because once, you know, late July hits, there's really, you know, no days off down there. So, you know, playing a lot of golf, trying to get around as many courses as I can. Really good time to golf in New England. Do have a good trip planned in August down to Hilton Head. Playing some courses down there, so so that that'll that'll be fun. Works out nice for the Patriots playing Carolina uh, that Friday night, so it'll be, it'll be a good week down there. Awesome. Well, Ryan, I want to thank you as always for uh, joining us on a milestone episode, episode two hundred and fifty of the Patriots Beat podcast here on CLNS Media. I want to thank everybody again for downloading today's Patriots Beat. Thanks to Ryan Hannibal, our terrific Patriots beat reporter from WEEI.com. Follow him on Twitter. It's pretty simple, at Ryan Hannibal, all one word. You can give us a follow, at Patriots CLNS and at CLNS Media. Give my own personal account a follow, at Trags. Today's sponsor, 4 For Ryan Hannibal, content Patriots content manager Michael Angie, CLNS Media executive producer Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show, hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio, immediately after every single pass game, Call in at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion. Subscribe to CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher, and the best way, download the free CLNS Media Network mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Yeah.